Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's season one, episode 24, starring the mask-wearing mimes, Moominshans. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Muppetsational. I am Lewis Chandler. I'm Jay Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we have done it! It is the last episode of the first season of The Muppet Show! <gasps> I can't believe it! I know, it's mad! Me either! It's... I. We started this back in February. I know. <laughs> Don't even, Lewis. Don't even. <laughs> Where is the year gone? <laughs> I mean, in so many ways, Emma, that is, <laughs> in so many ways, it's, uh, it's, it is absolutely mad to think that we have actually finished one, one fifth of the entire Aww, Muppet show. that's sad when you say it like that, but I just, I'm, I mean, I'm very excited that we finished season one, but it's, it's also, yeah, it's just a bit mad, isn't it, to think, like, that we've done, well, this is our 24th episode Plus a mini Disney 25th, land. including our little... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> say, plus, our, plus our mini bonus episode. But yeah, that was like, what, 10 minutes? I don't know if we can count that. <laughs> no, I suppose that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's it's And yeah, to think that we started this back in February and it is now August. Yeah. Like... <sighs> and what... An episode <laughs> to finish on. Yes. <laughs> It'd be crazy. <laughs> Truly is. Let's uh let's dive in, <laughs> shall we? Um, Jade, why don't you give us some production information? I will. So this episode was originally broadcast on the 9th of January 1977. The production code lists it as the 24th episode made, the final in season one. And therefore, Disney Plus have included it as episode 24. It was written by Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell and directed by Peter Harris. And that's the last time I have to say all of those names in that order. Woo! Yay! Yay! <laughs> uh, Emma, please. <laughs> I am so curious to know what you have found out about our good friends, the Moominshons. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Where do I begin? <laughs> yeah, so the Moomin Chants are a Swiss mask theatre troupe um, who perform in a surreal sort of way um, and they use kind of like loads of different props. They were founded in 1972 um, and they're made up of three performers and they've basically toured all over the world. And apparently the reason they turned up on The Muppet Show was the fact that Jim saw them in Geneva and then he suggested them to be on the show. It had to be Jim. Like, there was no way this was coming from anyone else. Anyone else suggesting this would have surely been told, ha 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 ha, get out. Jim saying it was obviously like, sure, like, we can't say no, we'll, yeah. we'll book them. Is it still the same three no it's not i can't imagine so well this is what i i, I wanted to be it was yeah. like a, a you know a company that you know ever evolving i think i believe the woman is still involved in it sadly one of the men died of aids so um mm. he unfortunately passed away 
And then I believe that the other man that we saw on the Muppet Show, um, he retired. But not that long ago. I've got a feeling it was either in the 2000s or the early 2010s. Mimes and clowns stick around for a really long time. They just keep doing that. I couldn't believe when I saw this, not long after they were on the Muppet Show, they did a three-year run on Broadway and did like thousands of shows. And then they are literally still on tour now. Like we could all book to go and see them if you wanted to. Do you know what? It really doesn't surprise me because this falls into the Blue Man group, the Stomp, that kind of... Yeah, forever touring, forever malleable. This is a kind of show that can always keep going because it's a concept and a shtick and a style that, I I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, we're in August, I would not be surprised if they have done the Edinburgh Fringe or the Edinburgh International Festival at some some point. point. This, at so many points, was screaming Edinburgh Fringe to me i <laughs> i had flashbacks to being trapped in some you know godforsaken theater space wondering how long 50 minutes can possibly be <laughs> long is long the Lewis. <laughs> oh, yeah it is kind of crazy that they're still going just to the effect that i don't i mean i can't believe that they did three years on broadway like that so but then i i know what you mean lewis about it being like blue man or cirque or stomp or whatever like it obviously does have that kind of appeal and i suppose it's and it defies any kind of language barrier as well so any kind of tourism can come and see it because there's no talk (laughs) words sorry (laughs) there's no talk (laughs) completely and also i think it's probably one of those things where especially if it's sort of considered like de rigueur of the moment that everyone can go and see Mm. it once and like yes you might not go back repeat number of times but if it's not playing a particularly huge theater then people can go one time and it can just keep running and running and running so yeah well speaking of running and running and running (laughs) let's jump into the muppet show so um first things first i know we usually skip past the uh titles but fozzy's joke this week about his cousin in prison do we think that was the same cousin we saw a couple of weeks ago in the audience (laughs) What's going on with Fozzie's cousin? (laughs) And what did he do between the two episodes since we last saw him that he's now in prison? I kind of love the idea that Fozzie maybe framed him for something (laughs) after he didn't stick around for his set. He was like, you weren't a true Fozzie Bear fan. I'm gonna... (laughs) Relatable. I like that idea. I would do that. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was so, so random. And uh, (laughs) I hope his cousin's doing well. Fred. That's what he said his cousin's name was. Fred. And that first cut to Moomanshans, surrounded by the Muppets. It was like something from Spirited Away. Yes. <laughs> you know when the yeah. sort of big ghost creature comes to the sauna and it's, they're surrounded by all these nice people. Well, nice-ish people. And it's <laughs> just this horrible black creature just sitting there. It's like, ah! So... To give everyone a little bit of background on our recording today, we tried to record this yesterday and weren't able to due to some technical hitches. Luckily, we're recording today, so it's all good. But it's meant that I've technically watched this episode two and a half times because I skipped through it again this morning. And 
the first time that Rich saw it was today. And when it cut to that shot of the Moomenshans surrounded by the Muppets, he looked at me as if I was making him watch something absolutely horrendously <laughs> horrific that was going to haunt his dreams forever. And then after a couple of beats, he just went, what? <laughs> and I was like, I know, I know. I think that can yeah. pretty much describe this whole episode. Like, what? Like, I was the same. The first cut and I saw the creepy masks and I was like, where is this going? <laughs> I'm just glad in a way that they didn't really interact with the Muppets. I think that would have been such a... I don't... Culture clash isn't even the right term, but just such a sort of mind meld of different styles and approaches i'm glad that they were just given the space to do their thing and then the muppets yes. just did their thing around it and yes when well yeah when you cut to that and i was like what are they possibly going to be doing with those masks you know surrounded by that group of muppets like we're obviously not getting a song are we so what you know my mind immediately <laughs> was like what what is going on i'm so glad that that was just for that little insert that they didn't actually do something. Very alarming. <laughs> so I took your advice, Lewis, from our last episode, and I was like, right, I'm going to compartmentalise the opening after I've been mildly terrified by that insert and what is to come. <laughs> um, and I was quite charmed by Mr. Baseman from the Electric Mayhem and Scooter. <laughs> I found this to be a far more upbeat, full of life opening than certainly than the one that we had last week. And yeah, I just I just thought it was really nice that interplay between Floyd and Scooter singing in that style and I don't know, it's just a, a bit of fun and a bit of silliness and yeah, I, I could take it and I enjoyed it. I want to know the conversation that occurred between <laughs> Electric Mayhem and Scooter <laughs> for them to agree to have Scooter join them in a performance. Because considering the last time we saw the Electric Mayhem in a big way, they were complaining about how cheesy the Muppet Show opening yes. theme tune was. And now they're willing to sing with one of the nerdiest characters. <laughs> the squarest of the Muppets. The squarest of the Muppets. <laughs> like Eugene from Greece has been made out of felt. <laughs> That's all I could think during this song because it had a bit of a 50s bent as well. Yeah. All I could think was like, this is if you gave Eugene a song in the Greece musical. <laughs> Why would Electric Mayhem agree to this? Why would they agree to this? The only thing I could think of was that they're now in an ironclad contract and they had to do it. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Benny Vandergast theatre has been... <laughs> they had to. Maybe they've signed a contract that says they have to do at least one song with every single Muppet from now on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was fine, but... But why would Scooter get a number? <laughs> 
think we're going to be seeing more of Scooter going forward, though, aren't we? Because we know that Scooter gets numbers. He's not just a backstage Muppet, so... I suppose so. I just... I don't know. I mean, I I realise that we're watching a 1970s puppet variety show, but I just even for me, the credulity of the cool resident rock band agreeing to sing with Scooter felt... <laughs> To have not had that explored in some way narrative, <laughs> narrative, <laughs> narrative, no, narrative, narrative. I think just narratively. I'm breaking. <laughs> oh narratively. Narratively. There we go. <laughs> God, I've got a case of the Emmas. Ha <laughs> 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 You've got to be nice to me. I had COVID. <laughs> oh God. Emma, he's going to be saying that. I'm really glad we're going to have a little break after this one. Uh <laughs> I literally had coronavirus, okay? Like, I'm allowed to, uh, you know, ask for sympathy. I've been locked up by myself for eight days. God insane. This mum and chance thing, I thought I was just <laughs> hallucinating the entire thing. Did you see them in the corner of the room after you watched the episode? <laughs> Chilling. <laughs> Uh, Pulling some clay about, and threateningly, yeah, yeah, taking post-it notes off of their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do if Peter comes back and he's got post-it notes for eyes? <laughs> <laughs> Throw myself out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be fair. That's a, a reasonable response to that uh, that occurrence. Thank you. Yeah. So, Mr. Baseman, Emma, what did you make of the opening? Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, it was quite sweet and it was nice to see Scooter again. But yeah, it kind of didn't quite make sense to what was happening in the backstage plot from last week's episode. With some of the openers that we've had recently, it was quite nice to see. And it was lovely to see the electric mayhem again and them doing a song and not anything really gimmicky, which has sort of been the case when we've seen them quite a a lot recently. So yeah, I, I thought it was quite a nice opening. Litchie had probably nothing to do with the episode, but... <laughs> no. Yeah. It was funny seeing Dr. Teeth just put right at the back. Yeah. And just as a supporting pianist, considering it felt like very much for the first half of this season, he is the front man, Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem. Yeah. And yeah. now it's... I feel like we haven't really had him as the kind of leader for no. the back half of the season. You know, even that discussion about... Electric Mayhem playing the Muppet Show theme tune. It was all done via Floyd. Yeah. And, you know, Zoots had a couple of numbers as well. It's just funny. I, I know. Maybe... Uh... I think it might come down to Jim. Yes. Because obviously, whenever it's Dr. Teeth, it's Jim. So I was thinking this last week, the reason it was Floyd leading the discussions was because Jim was playing Kermit. Mm. And I wonder whether also, like, with this, if it just meant that... Jim had relatively straightforward, you know, not that much to do in rehearsal and everything and could just come in, be Dr. Teeth playing the piano and let Richard Hunt and Jerry Nelson lead the song. Yeah, yeah. it will be interesting to see going forward whether Dr. Teeth is, I suppose, sort of not reintroduced, but I guess reinstated mm. as the lead Electric Mayhem figure or whether they do lean more into the others um next season we should have janice as janice from richard Hunt. so hopefully we'll get a bit more janice as well which would be nice that would be great yeah and and just because it is the last episode of the season lewis before we move on are we on the scooter scooter no (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no. Poor Skeeter. <laughs> Look, he's got four more seasons to try and win me round, but as of as of season one, <laughs> the scooter scooter is in the garage collecting dust. Aww. <laughs> it's not my fault. It is. <laughs> I hope this entire five season arc is about Scooter learning about privilege and <laughs> and him coming round to understanding that the arts is a very unequal <laughs> profession and that he should acknowledge his connections and not use them to force himself into positions where he gets to perform but actually uplift others. <laughs> I think you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the actual industry now. Yes. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, speaking of the industry, we head backstage to uh, to start the runner for this week. Were either of you both briefly terrified when the camera started on Fozzy and we heard him dialing for rent a pun or? You know, get whatever it was called. And I thought, oh God, we're going to have another week of Fuzzy trying to make bad jokes or get bad jokes. And then, mercifully, the camera panned <laughs> past him <laughs> further upstage to, uh, to hit Piggy. And I don't know about you, but I was just relieved. <laughs> Yeah, I, when he when he called, I think it was Dial-A-Joke. Yeah. When he rang Dial-A-Joke, I was like, oh my God. This is where he's getting his material. He's calling a, a paid-for number to get his material. Yeah, I was I was very relieved, Lewis, when it uh, when it then lingered on Piggy for her to be reading yeah. her her love note that she'd been left from her secret admirer. Yeah, much much better than another. Fozzie Bear pun-filled yeah. runner. Uh, did either of you have any thoughts as to who you thought Piggy's admirer was going to be? To be honest, I didn't think it was going to be Gonzo. I knew it wasn't going to be Kermit, just because of where we've seen how his character is in this first season. He's definitely not the sort of Kermit we know and love. But I didn't know whether it might have been someone like Rolf. I don't know. Maybe like George, you know, his last little stab at showbiz, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I did kind of half wonder about George. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure either. I obviously wasn't going to be Kermit because <laughs> that would be a much shorter love story yes, if Kermit had left her that note. <laughs> it was quite a nice surprise for it to be Gonzo, considering we have had so little of him yeah. for so many episodes. And actually... Really nice to see him out of the resident artiste mode and into a bit more of a a whatever, a weirdo, <laughs> I don't know. He felt like Gonzo to me, mm. not quite 100%, but he felt so much more him. This sort of sense of him being, as you say, Lewis, this whatever and just kind of having his passions and just going after them and throwing absolute caution to the wind and not basically just sort of doing what he wanted to do effectively like i don't it's hard to quantify <laughs> as with gonzo yeah. yeah as with gonzo in general it's kind of hard to put your finger on exactly what makes him gonzo but you you feel it and you know it when you see it yes. and this felt 
similar. We're definitely nearer to him as opposed to, yeah, trying to be a an artiste that's hitting things with a mallet. Yeah, it definitely feels like we're getting closer. He's a bit more of a a sort of happy-go-lucky loser in this yes. one. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, his obsession with Piggy doesn't feel quite right, and not too much happens. He's kind of playing on one note, really, through this. But it's certainly a different note to the sort of they-don't-understand-me Gonzo mm. that we had for the first half of the season. And feels much, as you say, as we go into season two, going more into a sort of happy weirdo. Recognisable. Yes, recognisable yeah. Gonzo. I, I mean, I think it probably was fairly one note, but I guess it was also, he was kind of the foil in a way, wasn't he, for the Piggy Kermit conversation and her being perpetually disappointed by Kermit and... You know, when you move through the backstage runner, him setting her up with Gonzo for the date and everything. It still felt like there was a bit of development and a bit of moving all of their characters forward, even if... I mean, I don't, I mean I'm going to be really curious to see what these runners are like going into season mm. two, because actually, so far... Okay, we've had a couple that have done some pretty decent character work. Like, Fozzie's definitely come on some weeks with his character, and Piggy certainly has too. But on the whole... They don't have very long, do they, really? No. I mean, it's it probably adds up to, what, five or six minutes of screen time at most across the whole episode? You know, how much can you actually pack into that, mm. you know, in terms of moving things along? I'm going to be interested to see how the shift in Kermit and Piggy's relationship mm. changes, because that still definitely doesn't feel right, because he is very much avoiding her with a barge pole. Mm. But then I, he's still like, I don't know. You, there's always that interplay between them, isn't there? Like there is, but it's he's but more I, just a bit reticent, I guess, rather than reticent. And also the entire shtick where he then ended up setting Piggy up with a date for Gonzo, Kermit would never do that. No, no. Now, if there was any sort of subterfuge, it would all be about just trying to shift Piggy's entire perspective elsewhere, yeah. not just trying to foist her off <laughs> that's the right word isn't it <laughs> yeah no, completely completely just, it I know just foist sounds a bit rude in some way <laughs> well it also just made me think of like I don't know like give me your dowry and you can take the pig like I don't know it's just sort of <laughs> felt a bit <laughs> but, uh, but, but no you're totally right like he, now he would just be trying to maybe distract her or put her onto something else or just essentially yeah. leave him alone. And then he'd still be totally jealous. Like, there's no jealousy in this episode yes. at all from him. He was just... He was more than happy for Gonzo to take her on a date. He is... You're right. He's not interested in her at this point. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's not been any real set, massively consistent character development, has there? Because in the... Was it the Harvey Corman episode? No, the Avery Schreiber episode... That was when she was she was trying to make him jealous and it did work a little bit. Yes. But again, that's not really been sustained then through the back half of the season. Mm. Well, we'll just have to wait and see whenever we decide to start watching season two. <laughs> <laughs> but we will have a break first. <laughs> Emma, why don't you lead us into the first performance from <laughs> Moomin Shark? Because <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> Yes, so we go from that um, backstage runner to our first introduction and performance piece 
by Moomin Chan, and it's called Paper Faces. And um, how did they come up with that name? How? How? Yeah, it's obviously two performers come on, and they've got their post-it note eyes and mouths, and they kind of use that as their emotions and their reactions to one another. One another. So one another. Kind boop, of, boop, boop, one another. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I was kind of mesmerized it, slightly freaked out by it, slightly like how on earth are they doing that at the mm. same time? Because obviously they're sort of pulling one off of the, you know, the eyes to change the expression. And then <laughs> we'd gone a few weeks without an innuendo. So we were due I was going to say, we are due an innuendo. We were due we? one. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and then obviously when they're drawing the expressions on the mouth as well. I mean, it was pretty crazy. I've got to say, at first, I was genuinely all in on this. I was really enjoying it and appreciating it and thought it was engaging. And even though it's 40, 50 years old, I had never seen something quite like this before, which is very surprising Mm. considering the amount of shit mime or fringe shows clown workshops I have had to (laughs) endure in my life as an actor that I had never seen something quite like this before. However, I'd say maybe a minute and a half in, I found myself slowly losing interest, as I feel often happens in any kind of scenario where it's extensive mime mask or performance work and then all i could think was god imagine just being trapped watching this for 50 minutes (laughs) that's all i could think but i did i did really like it at first but then i felt it just got a bit confused i completely i lost i did not understand especially right near the end what the actual narrative was that they were that they were telling especially that ending where i'm gonna say she because i think was was the one I don't think we can presume gender, <laughs> Jade, as we shouldn't in life, and particularly not with mimes. <laughs> Fine. The person on the right. Uh-huh. Our right or their right? <laughs> as we were looking at the television, the okay, right. Five. <laughs> the person on the right, and the reason I originally said she was because I think that that character had slightly more feminine qualities. But but I'm happy to yes. go with We'll use they pronouns, it's not a problem. Um, yes. Their their face at the end had the little X cross and their eyes were sort of bloodshot and kind of, I don't know, spaced out a bit. But then the, the other one, the one on the left, took their mouth and put it on their... And I just didn't understand what that meant at all. Yeah. I had no idea. It was idea. once they started getting to drawing arrows yeah. on their mouths... Uh, places that up until that point I thought it was really clear and I I was kind of enchanted Mm -hmm. by it and I thought god this is so interesting and oh imagine the rehearsal and the planning to have to do this and even if you accidentally pulled one too many bits of paper off you know and even just finding the mouth paper to then draw accurately on so it was so clear to start and then I thought it just got really muddled near the end and just sort of yeah yeah I lost the plot and then it it just it, it seemed to speed up slightly and I just found it a lot less engaging but at first I was 
on side a lot. It was really strange at the end. I still, I literally have no idea what that resolution was to that little bit of narrative. I also just found, and again, maybe it is just because it was from the 70s. So some of this would just be done a little bit differently now. But I found the kind of staging with that pastel background a bit bizarre because obviously that didn't really have anything to do with what they were doing. But because it was still coloured and bright, it still drew attention to itself rather than, do you know, like, do you know what I mean? So it still felt like it was sort of doing some work, but I wasn't really sure what work it was doing. Mm. And also I just found it a bit strange. I got, I liked how they were using their hands and their arms and their legs and that was conveying a lot of the the story especially at the beginning and the emotion as one must in mask work jane <laughs> as as one must i've done a trestle workshop <laughs> <laughs> did you find it maybe you don't find it odd though is because you've actually done some work in this arena but i found it odd that they were in like the leggings that you could see their feet and you could see their hands but it was you know it wasn't all in the black I didn't nah, know. it didn't surprise me at all. <laughs> Particularly the fact that it was in the 70s and they were barefoot. There was one bit later on where one of the mines put their feet up and their feet were really dark on the bottom. And I was like... Ugh. <laughs> 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 they wandered about on a 1970s studio floor. But I just... I felt like I might have been slightly more immersed in it if they'd been all in black. But that's probably just me. Oh, you know, it, it, no, it didn't. It didn't strike me as strange to be mm-hmm. honest. To have their hands and feet uh, out, but you know, that's a bunch of beatniks with masks on. I loved having the Statler and Waldorf inserts in this episode, especially when it came after the Moomenshans performances. I, I think they really enjoyed them. To be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, I think they were like they were loving having a, a different a different type of performance in the theater. some legitimate theater. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this is what we pay that money for. I did raise an eyebrow when they said that they reminded them of puppets, and then they were like, "I hate puppets." And there was that whole thing about traitor to your class. And I don't know, it just always feels so weird, doesn't it? When they bring up the fact that they're puppets. And you're just like, oh, yeah. no, you're Stadler and off. Yeah. You're in your box. You're two old men. Just watch the show. Damn it. Yeah, no, I agree. The only thing, so it's funny, I was watching, again, I've been locked inside for a while. So I've gone down some quite deep YouTube holes. And I found uh, there was a clip of Kermit and Scooter at the Academy Awards one year presenting an award and there was a joke where scooter says to kermit all right just open the envelope and kermit's like open the envelope (laughs) scooter's like yeah just just open the envelope and obviously kermit holding it in his puppet hand kind of looks at the envelope and then the audience and back to scooter that is as much as i ever want in alluding to the fact that the Muppets are puppets. Yes. I don't need them to use the word puppet. <laughs> it's like putting a hat on a hat. <laughs> that feels also kind of in keeping with the Muppet tone and character of kind mm. of acknowledging that. Whereas, yeah, calling out puppets and then sort of... Then also referring to puppets as a class. I don't understand that, that either. That's weird. But also referring to Moomenshans as pup, like Yeah. They're mimes. Yeah. They are not puppets. <laughs> they weren't even using puppets. <laughs> very odd. Yeah, very peculiar. 
Before we move on to the uh, library sketch of Blue Danube, I'd just like to give Oh, a- you stole my... I- Do you know what? For once, I actually did research and looked up that it was Blue Danube by Strauss. Could you not just hear it was Blue Danube? No, but I, I recognised the music, obviously, albeit I recognised it from the episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to space and he's spinning around with the potato chips. <laughs> but I did look it up for me to reveal that piece of information, but fine. <laughs> Sorry, Lewis. <laughs> no, it's all right. I'm just going to go back to never doing research again. No. <laughs> Let's see if Muppets and Men get read now, Jade. <laughs> Lewis, I am absolutely not saying don't do any research. (laughs) That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting as subtext. (laughs) Your contributions are more than welcome to the podcast. (laughs) I think I'll just continue on my flights of fancy. (laughs) Anyway, before we get on to the the classical tune, which I will let Lewis reveal the name of later, um, I just wanted to stop off at the next backstage runner with some... I thought quite funny lines. I enjoyed when Miss Piggy said to Gonzo, it was a kiss of mistaken identity. I thought that was just quite a, <laughs> quite a funny little bit of wordplay. But then when he started going on about hog of my heart and hold me pig of my dreams, and then he, he basically sang at the end, Something about her porky pinkies and things. Oh like, I mean, it was too much pig, but I don't know, like, his delivery. There was something in his delivery that just felt, I don't know, it felt quite gonzo, I guess. A lot of them just sounded a lot like Twitter bios of <laughs> <laughs> gay men that I followed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That's all I can think. So then we go from our little backstage bit with Gonzo and Piggy into our sort of first sketch. And Lou, do you want to make the uh, introduction? Blue Danube Waltz by Strauss. <laughs> well done. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that, Emma. <laughs> I did. I recognised the song because when I used to do hospital radio, that used to be requested all the time. <laughs> really? That doesn't surprise <laughs> me. <laughs> oh, it surprises me. Oh, I don't know, just being on a hospital ward and hearing Blue Danube, I feel like I was in some sort of strange independent film. Do you know what I mean? Just like, I was like coming off of whatever meds they'd put me on after an operation. I hear Blue Danube. Am I saying it right? Danube? Danube? It's Danube, isn't it? Danube? But I feel like people call it the Blue Danube. So, yeah, I don't know. Don't. Let's go with that. Don't don't fret. Everybody will know what we're talking about, so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> no, I thought it I thought it was really quite funny. I love the fact that we had Fozzie, Hilda, Piggy, and then Nigel, and then also the librarian. I can't remember what was her name. She's Zelda Rose. Zelda Rose, she yeah. It's a fabulous character design. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> She's so funny. She's great. Yeah, no, I thought it was a lot of fun and it was just nice to see them all kind of interacting and also quite interesting. I think this might be the last time that we see Hilda in a sketch. <gasps> yeah, you're probably right there, Emma. Yeah, God. Oh, so God. I was a bit like, oh, Hilda. <laughs> Are we definitely sure she doesn't come back for season two? I'm pretty sure she doesn't because she's puppeted by Erin Oscar, and I'm fairly certain that Erin Oscar only worked on the first season. So I think that's why she went away as a character was because Erin... <laughs> wasn't there but i don't know she might she might pop up again in a sort of background yeah i just i I couldn't help but think all the way through about all the different characters that we might not necessarily see again so hilda 
and then I mean we'll get do you know I'll save I'll save that my thoughts on that for later but yeah it's very strange it's uh it's kind of like when you get to an SNL season end and you don't quite know who's coming back or not <laughs> it's like is Cecily Strong's last thing gonna be her dunking into a giant <laughs> bottle of wine <laughs> I think like with this one it was quite interesting as well because you had Hilda who hadn't particularly thought about the fact it would be Hilda's last sketch because we then had Wayne and Wanda waltzing on by and also causing a <laughs> calamity <laughs> with the bookcase at the mm. back of the library. I mean, can they do anything right? Anything at all? Poor Wayne and Wanda. But yeah, that's that's sad. It's Hilda's last little little flourish and it was just her rustling a newspaper back and forth while Piggy and Fozzie sneezed and coughed their way through the blue Danube. Like, <laughs> oh... <laughs> It was also an odd choice anyway, just to, <laughs> just to use Hilda in that context. Again, Scooter and Hilda just getting onto stage and performing in actual numbers and sketches. Get backstage! You have other jobs! <laughs> <laughs> I, I reckon Hilda was just, she thought that was actually a library. <laughs> she just turned up to read the paper and then was like, oh, I found myself in a little sketch here. <laughs> You say that about Hilda and Scooter Lewis, but at least they still kind of make sense in the Muppet Show universe, unlike the next Moomenshons segment, this, which that was this crazy. Was I just <laughs> upsetting. could not make heads or tails of. <laughs> Incredibly upsetting. And you know what? I feel like even the show and Jim were having second thoughts by the time they get to this bit, because the fact that it's introduced just with Kermit going, Hey, you think this is weird? Take a look yes. at this! And then wipe <laughs> across the stage the difference. <laughs> it was the flip wipes, the ones that came up from the bottom to the top that I was like, that literally feels like you're going like, turn the page, just turn the page, yeah. just get this, just get this gone. So we had a caterpillar, a fly, and then, I mean, something with a big old tongue. I don't know what that, I mean, it was sort of oystery shaped, wasn't it? But I don't know what it was actually meant to be. I did not like this just you know they're falling into that kind of uncanny valley i mean it's kind of clever but also quite creepy was somebody inside that caterpillar or was it somebody they must have been puppeteering it from behind because i genuinely couldn't work out i'm pretty sure that was like someone in it with their hands and feet you know like raised and curved yeah, to make the shape I really... of it because i think that's the only way you'd be able to do I, it because i genuinely wasn't sure it reminded me of something from doctor who it looked like the Wirren yes. from the ark in space or something it was just they were all so creepy i thought the fly was very clever that was the one that i sort of i guess appreciated the most but it's still a fly and it's still gross. And I don't really want to be thinking about flies when I'm watching The Muppet Show. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I can appreciate the... Artistry. The artistry and the physicality of discovering all that and how they did it. It's just that they, they chose quite alarming yeah. things, mm. I guess. You know, when you go to... Well, I mean, I've never gone because I don't have a spare 80 quid. <laughs> but when you go to The Lion King, per se... And they do the big pride rock opening and you've got the gazelle puppets and the giraffe puppets. And that is charming and wonder filled because you're, you know, a giraffe is there, but you know, it's a person, you know, they're not doing dung beetles and I don't know, whatever <laughs> other creepy things you'd find in Africa animal wise, you know, they're choosing 
wondrous magical creatures and to see just a fly and a caterpillar just sort of like across the screen was just yeah no wonder the muppets gave a wide berth to them. <laughs> <laughs> i just imagine you know just i don't know electric mayhem just smoking backstage be like hey man are you seeing this like exactly. i am <laughs> They're all getting back on the bus and just like, we need to lie down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Just Fozzie Bear absolutely terrified if this is what the future of entertainment is. Like... <laughs> Emma, what did you think of them? Yeah, no, it was terrifying. The fly, that was really creepy. And I think, like you say, the, uh, the whole tone of it was quite strange. I think the whole kind of Muppets and... Jim were maybe having second thoughts because it was just so weirdly introduced by Kermit as well. And he's like, yep, there's another one. You think this is weird? Wait till you see the next one. (laughs) That was what was so odd as well, that he wasn't even trying to make it less weird. (laughs) (laughs) It was just Kermit being the TikTok algorithm, just chucking content at you going, hey, look at this. Ain't this strange? (laughs) very very odd (laughs) i don't even know i don't even know what else to say it's just (sighs) impressive but not for me yeah and also just i don't think it's muppet show i just don't i don't i can see how the other two moom and sean's pieces have a place in a variety show to a certain extent because they're little i've actually briefly forgotten the third moom and sean oh yeah there's more to come lewis there's more yeah um, but you know they have there's a little bit of story and there's a little bit of something to kind of get your teeth into these were too short and this you're right they did feel a bit like tiktoks or something just like pow this would be something they would do i assume between longer sketches yeah. in their moon and chance show this would be two other performers are getting into their costume or next thing so yeah. one of them comes on and is the fly yeah. or the caterpillar for a moment mm-hmm. It's the uh, it's Madonna's changing costume so the dancers do a four minute piece <laughs> in front of the you know video. <laughs> and actually, this feels more even like an art installation or something. Like you can imagine the three of them in those various different costumes, like in a large white room, and you walk around them as they as they. I can do imagine that. being very uncomfortable holding a lukewarm glass of white wine, <laughs> watching somebody in a leotard be a caterpillar, eating a and wondering whether. <laughs> Yeah, wondering whether this is actually worth it. <laughs> but it's fine because you got invited and you're there for free, Lewis. Otherwise you would not yeah. be there. <laughs> but then somebody's like, do you want to go out for a cigarette? And I'm like, well, I don't smoke, but I'll, I'll, join I'll, you. Take, the, I'll take the six minutes outside. <laughs> I'll learn. <laughs> now, can you believe it? We've finally got here. It is the last at the dance! <laughs> it's too much. Yay! It's too much. <laughs> Had I been allowed to go out this week, I would have got a bottle of Fizzy <laughs> to open at this precise moment and started drinking from here on out. But unfortunately, <laughs> I have been locked up. But as soon as we cut to that chandelier, all I could think was, never again, again. We never have to see this again, again, again. <laughs> Just, <laughs> ah! We hope, anyway. <laughs> no, you promised! <laughs> oh, God, I feel like I'm... Oh, does that Dave, mean that's the end of Mildred as well? This is the only sad thought I had during this. And 
the last Mildred and maybe our last fun, sarcastic dancer partner of Animal and also <laughs> our screaming blonde Harridan who didn't even show up this week. No, she took it off. <laughs> she was too busy yelling at someone. <laughs> Probably the moment shots. <laughs> <laughs> who are just like pulling, frantically pulling the posters <laughs> off their face. <laughs> oh, this was the only bit that I really even raised a raised a slight smile at was the end with the whatnots saying, "These jokes make me so mad. I want to blow my top," and then them blowing their tops. This felt so on the nose of yep. yeah. Everybody knew that this entire segment for the entire run had been terrible and had also <laughs> over relied on explosions so they made a joke about how terrible the material was and then both their heads exploded it felt like the the snake was eating itself yes. <laughs> it was it was like they had been listening to our podcast <laughs> So they went, we're going to tell you how bad the puns are and we're going to have explosions and that will be the last you ever see of At The Dance. It, I almost respected it quite a lot to suddenly have it finish with that much clarity about how crap it had been. Yeah, it was a, a fitting end, I think, really. <laughs> yeah, it's all it deserved. <laughs> yeah. Well, let us hope that the ballroom rests in peace and is not... Rest in you know, pieces from being pieces. blown up. Never to darken our door again, shall we Thank say? <laughs> Although I did like Rolf's dance partner knew what was up when <laughs> he was like, "Are you horny?" And she's like, "No, I'm hungry." Yeah. <laughs> in, in so many other words, I was like, "Relatable." <laughs> <laughs> it was quite funny him saying like dumpling, cupcake, lamb chop, like yeah. every. <laughs> Every schmushy nickname under the Every sun. Schmushy. <laughs> I didn't actually understand the Mildred and George joke. Did either of you get it? No. I watched this yesterday. I cannot remember. <laughs> this is why I watched the episode and then record the episode. <laughs> watch the Muppet show and then record the episode because my ability to re- retain this stuff. I almost thought about watching it again this morning and I just thought, hell no. <laughs> That's why I did watch it again this morning because I was like, I'm never going to remember what what happened, especially not in like these little sketches. Um, yeah, yeah, no, there was a line. He was saying something about there's lots of. Oh no, did she Emma? Do you remember she said something about there being riffraff, and then he said you're the only one dancing or something. It was very odd. Yeah, I don't know if he was trying to say she was the riffraff, but yeah, it was it was really weird. Yeah. I mean, even even for the ballroom, it yeah. just didn't even make any sense. Yeah. Well, it's over now. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> you shan't be missed. Hell no. Oh, God. This UK spot. What was this? The underwater thing. Yeah. Did you like it? Well, do you know what? I thought it was quite impressive. I thought... For that sort of blue screen chroma key work, there was no bad blurry line around the uh, fish or animal, whatever it was. And also, I was very impressed by how it, in the first half, interacted so heavily with the video in that it was well placed and then suddenly would look to the left and Mm -hmm. follow a goldfish up a little bit and round. I thought it did a lot 
more than I would have expected it to. <sighs> Maybe I just wasn't, I don't know. I felt like the puppeteering of the, was it an eel or a fish? Yeah, or, I, I think it's an eel. An eel, yeah. I felt like the puppeteering of the eel didn't have that kind of like weightless floatiness to it. It felt a little bit, not jagged in the movements, that's too strong, but the it just, it wasn't entirely convincing, I guess, is the, the, the short way of saying it before I go off on a massive long tangent about the design of the puppet. <laughs> I really liked how I didn't think the puppet worked that well. <laughs> cut, cut. Um, I didn't buy that that puppet was was floating and swimming in the water. Like it, there was just a bit of a clunkiness to the movements that I wasn't entirely on board with. And also I was a bit confused about the song because it's a parody. Lewis, you probably knew this. I don't know. Nope. <laughs> so it's from Finian's Rainbow and it's normally called When I'm Not Near the Girl I Love and they changed it to When I'm Not Near the Fish I Love. And I like, I just didn't, I was so confused that there would be a song where they were singing about tuna and various different things. So I just kept thinking of Under the Sea. I was like, the ray he can play, the lings on the strings, the <laughs> rock and out, the black fishy sings, the stroke down the spot, they know where it's at, and all that blowfish blow, under that sea, 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 da da I might watch The Little Mermaid. No, stop it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I found the whole thing a little bit odd. But you are right. There was a there was a cleverness to the way that they used the green screen. And the actual, like, the CG was very yeah, good. I will say that. Because when I was trying to even think about how, how do you plan this, they must have found mm. the footage. And then whoever was puppeteering must have been able to see that footage as they were doing it yeah to be able to then follow it i just i i yeah it's 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 a bit you know meh but i just thought that was very Mm -hmm. impressive particularly Mm -hmm. for the time emma yeah um, i mean considering some of the uk spots we've had especially the one we had last week which was pretty dire good god i thought it wasn't bad it was quite sweet it kind of reminded me of you know when everyone used to have those like sea monkey things? Yes. Yes, I had sea it monkeys. It gave me that kind of a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> what were sea monkeys? I don't know. I haven't got a clue. It was very strange. I'd forgotten I had sea monkeys. They were kind of alive, weren't they? Yeah, they were entities. Like, they were real. Entities. Living but things. But what were they? Nobody knows. <laughs> Wait, did I have sea monkeys or did you have sea monkeys? I had them. I think you had them as well. I really can't remember. Oh, they're a type of brine shrimp, apparently. And they'll never get any bigger than... I just uh... I just wonder if, like, if you really kept it going, could they get any bigger than the teeny tiny little, like... Just having a look. Um... Do they still sell sea monkeys? Oh, my God, I hope not. Um... It, they are meant to grow bigger, apparently. But apparently there's no... That's just, like, the claims of the manufacturer rather than anything that's actually... <laughs> claims of the manufacturer. Oh, that's what it says. Those poor little Ooh. sea monkeys. <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, they went to space. What? That's crazy. <laughs> what? Yeah, God. Oh, my God. That would be so alarming. Wait. What? Surely they must have poured the sachet in once they were in space. Because... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, put them in the little water tank thing they have, and then what? Strap them to a rocket with a bunch of people, and then, like. I think they maybe went to space as eggs, and then they 
I think they were testing to see whether they were affected by... Millions and millions of taxpayers' dollars to test whether sea monkeys would sea thrive monkeys in space. Sea monkeys would live in space. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this... I, so there's a question on their website, although this is on their website, so take this with a pinch of salt. It says that they live up to a year, but apparently many people have kept them alive for as long as five years. I don't... That sounds... Unlikely. Stretching... Stretching credulity. Oh my god, I'm doing an Emma. Credulity. There we go. Yeah, Emma Got hasn't slipped up once today, but Jade and, and I we're are just both like, like oh, oh, I've taken an antihistamine as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the key to it, Emma. Maybe that's helping. Maybe. We need to dose you up like Judy Garland. That's what we need to do to get you ready to perform. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, Judy, you've got to do another number with Mickey Rooney. You can still buy them, which I don't think should be the case i mean we'll move yeah my next notes say statler blue waldorf (laughs) that is true i don't oh he did he blow in his ear yeah yeah his face was all scrunched up and then he blew in his ear and his face went back to normal oh yes i just had it written in all caps (laughs) statler blue waldorf It's canon. It's fact. This entire season has just been about laying the queer groundwork of Statler and Waldorf. It's all been in illusion. No, illusion. Alluded to. Jesus Christ. Rona has melted my brain. Oh no. See, now now you've got my sympathy, Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. No, it's not good if it's making your brain all foggy. It's horrible. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's all. (laughs) That's all I had. He did. He did blow him. And they also blew bubbles in the talk spot this week. These masks I thought were pretty cool. They were. They also looked like they were just maybe like milk canisters yes. or That's petrol what I cans thought. I thought or whatever. Petrol cans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I liked them. I actually thought they were quite clever. It was just really interesting to see because obviously Kermit starts off and then he's like, well, actually, you don't talk. So how are we going to have a talk spot? And then the next thing you know, it's kind of like the bubbles and then you've got the one on the end who kind of opens his mouth and the ping pong ball falls out and then he puts it into the next one. All the party streamers come out of his head and everything. Um, And it's quite crazy, but actually it was quite fun to watch and quite clever. Yeah, I liked them. It was a bit more colourful and a bit more whimsical. Yeah, Yeah. not as terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, and I wonder in having to choose what pieces they would do for the Muppet Show. It does seem strange that if they do have more light, fun, whimsical material that they wouldn't have lent towards that Mm, as they did in just this brief moment. But, I mean, I suppose it's their theatre company. They can do what they want with it. (laughs) (laughs) No, completely. This felt much more Muppety, much more family-friendly. As you've said, like, it was just colourful and fun. Though I suppose perhaps the fact that they weren't interacting with Muppets in any of their other sketches. Yeah. Which I assume must have been a choice. When they knew they had to interact with the Muppets, Mm -hmm. they went for something lighter. But I don't know, I just felt like if you have this kind of lighter material, why would you not bring it to a family tea time variety show? Yeah. Maybe even if they'd have still done the post-it notes but had done something more like this for their final number Mm. the overall impression would have been one that was a lot more lighter and family friendly and colorful and even that would have made a big difference um the one thing i did notice with this was that i mean i don't know whether they literally did it in one take or whether this was just the best take but 
there seemed to be a bit of fumbling with their various masks. Like when he was trying to get the ping pong ball out, like there was a bit of fumbling. And then when the other one was trying to open the top of their orange canister to put the ping pong ball in, there wasn't the same level of finesse with those movements as there had been with the post-it notes. I think it will have been something like when they do that sketch, usually they would be further apart. Mm. And so they would be used to being, I think, an arm's length away from one another to do it. And then to suddenly have to have them all smooshed in together to be Mm, able to fit into the frame, it probably threw off what they would usually know as their Mm -hmm. certain points. I think that's what I sort of came to think, that they do this sketch regularly, but they would have had to push in closer to get in shot. I think that's probably what would have happened. And maybe also shorten it. I wonder whether there's mm. like more, I don't know, more ping pong balls or yeah. more bubbles. When somebody, <laughs> when somebody, when somebody gives you a, a, a note like for 10 minutes before you go on stage, you're like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> you have to suddenly incorporate that into what you're doing. Did you notice at the very end as well, there was one final bubble escaped from the first one? Oh, and no. They, um, after it had gone out, but they then like covered their little mouth where the bubbles had been coming out from as if to like, as if it was like a little burp or oh, something. How adorable. It was really funny. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was I did cute. not. But it was very cute. Very cute. Now, are we going to skip the next bit of backstage and go straight to the final potential appearance of Wayne and Wanda? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we've got anything else to add about that yeah. that last little... Well, not the last one, but that next little Kermit and Miss Piggy nonsense, have we? I mean, kudos to Wayne and Wanda that they have been so prolific in how terrible they are that they have been slammed by Leonard Bernstein in <laughs> oh, the press. I thought that was hilarious. That's genuinely quite <laughs> impressive to have one of the co-creators of West Side Story... <laughs> Take the time to say how bad you are in national press. I feel like Wayne and Wanda would like cut that out and frame it though. <laughs> oh, they would. That's what's so bleak about it. The manifestation of musical mediocrity that passes for talent in this contemporary age. <laughs> wow, that is, Classic. that is quite a burn. <laughs> And what a nice set they had for, again, a 15-second gas. so bizarre. They must put so much effort into these setups and then they're on screen for... Yeah, not e- I mean, 15 seconds is pushing it, Lewis. I'm not even sure it was that long. Yeah. Because <laughs> they could have even have just done it in that they were in a, like, you know, a purple or blue backdrop. Oh, God, I did it again. A purple or blue backdrop with just, you know, a paper moon hanging to then fall. But they made a... Whole gazebo and a cyclorama and trees, all just to drop. Yeah, drop a paper moon on Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) I was a bit not. I don't want to say I was disappointed in Wayne and Wanda because you know that goes without (laughs) saying. But I was a bit perplexed that the paper moon dropped, and that also when it dropped, it made like a crashing noise because that's not paper. I didn't understand why it didn't like. It would have been funnier if the paper moon had ripped in half and then half of it had like flopped onto Wayne or something because it it's meant to be a paper moon and they did not play up the fact that it was paper and I that just bothers me. I'm bothered by that. See, I didn't mind it because I assumed the paper, the moon itself would be paper, but I liked the idea that the structure that was holding <laughs> it in place was some very heavy metal. <laughs> 
So when it fell, it wasn't just like, you know, it, it would still be quite painful to Wayne. <laughs> you just want him in maximum agony. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised they didn't kill them. If they were fairly certain that Wayne and Wanda weren't coming back, I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't just some kind of explosion. Do you know what I mean? That they just... And that we don't see them sort of rise back up from it. Like, they just kill them. (laughs) As some sort of, like, drop-dead gorgeous style kind of... (laughs) Kill them off. Yeah. Well, he got paper-cutted instead. I'm sure he'll make a... Hopefully not too swift recovery. Maybe Wanda sort of joined Moomenchance and just went off to Switzerland. (laughs) And became some sort of prolific mime where she never used her voice again. <laughs> Poor Wanda. I like that idea for Wanda. I kind of do as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make it a headcanon. Wayne got amnesia from being hit by the paper moon. And Wanda, sensing an opportunity to escape, joined Moomenchance. <laughs> And has spent the last... You can actually meet Wanda now and she's some greying, like, thin, cigarette-smoking indoors, like, mime tutor. (laughs) And when she drinks, she occasionally talks about her previous career as a a singer in variety. A failed singer in variety shows. Yeah, Yeah, I love this. (laughs) Well, it's probably better than the reality, which is... She's in a trunk somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> they got <laughs> pushed to the back of the Muppet workshop and that was the end of that. Oh, oh bless them. Oh, dear. Uh, another Muppet that I am assuming is at the back of a Muppet workshop somewhere. Our dear, dear friend, Venderface. So terrifying. For what I <laughs> assume is the final appearance. It better be. <laughs> I mean, I don't even... As we cut to it again, I could not believe we were doing this for a third time. I was so thankful. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to- <laughs> I just want to say very quickly that I was so thankful that this one was short, sweet, yes. and actually landed a punchline. Zing. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, just watching Statler get punched in the face and his little face get all smushed up. Like, fine. Whatever. Well, goodbye, Vendor Face. I don't need... I mean, Emma, do you have anything to say about Venderface? No, I just, it terrifies me. I hate Venderface so much. It's really upsetting. It's upsetting. I just, it's, I, we can move on very swiftly, but just to say that Venderface is having a crisis of, uh, you know, identity and purpose because one week it's a psychiatrist, the next week it is changing whatnot accessories. And then the final week, it just seems to have, I don't know, maybe Miss Piggy's had her hands on it because it seems to have become completely aggressive and is just punching people. <laughs> what, what is this machine? I don't know. It's so weird. After Venderface, we have this conclusion of the backstage runner. <laughs> Again, this is why I need to watch the episode in the same day because all I have in my notes is two turkeys with one chop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that was the final line. <laughs> yeah, which I enjoy, particularly because you could call Piggy a pork chop. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, fine, good. I'm glad she punched the lights out of both of them, you know. <laughs> I thought it was really, really well done and very, very Piggy that she was switching so seamlessly between kissy kissy oh, and yeah. all lovey-dovey with Kermit and then mm. yelling at Gonzo like, you're breathing on me! Yes, I had <laughs> just going God, crazy. That was great. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. That felt very, very piggy. It was very piggy. And 
I, actually, all three of their characters felt like they were very in keeping in, in that little bit. Gonzo, in this manifestation anyway, being, you know, very mm. clingy and just kind of hanging on to her every word. Kermit shutting her down and then it all finishing with the two turkeys with one chop. Hiya! Was... Yeah. It was a satisfactory ending yes. to the runner, which was nice. We then head into our last news flash of the season. And I mean, I don't know about you guys. I was I was a bit disappointed by this because don't get me wrong, again, news flash is another segment that has gone up and down. We've had accent showcase, we've had really bad puns, we've had I mean I think the episode where it was Vincent Price with the guy watching the news flash and then mm-hmm. the sort of furniture um, coming alive and then kind of eating him was quite a funny one to watch but I just thought this one like the joke was just so bad I don't even know if you guys got it I mean what did you think I mean why did we not get to cut to a silent member of Moomenshans as some sort of you know interviewee for the news that would have been hilarious just yeah well I was like how are they going to incorporate Moomenshans and then they just didn't I thought that would have been such a hilarious kind of mashup I think it would have been infinitely better if they had done something with one if not all of the Moomenshans like it was when it cut to it I was like oh okay so we are getting something with them and then they didn't you know it was just him talking it was very odd. I didn't really get the point of it as a little sketch mm. without having something in the VT or having it being playful again where it cuts out to like someone watching the news or something. I mean, it just, I don't know, it just felt very something of nothing, really. Yeah. There, was, there just wasn't anything there. And then, I mean, was there just, was the punchline just simply that the old man smells funny? Because... That's not really no, anything, not. is it, it was, either? No. It was just trying to pile on the ludicrousness, wasn't it, of having a hundred and something mm. children and two hundred and something grandchildren, and yeah, it, yeah. It, I'm, I'm yeah. hoping for more for Muppet Newsman comes season two because I love him and I want to touch him. <laughs> so, also, does he usually wear glasses? Yeah, I noticed that he was missing his glasses. I've taken them. <laughs> <laughs> where they are. There they are. Lewis has got them. <laughs> I took them from his nightstand. <laughs> no, that's creepy. That's what it's I think Peter's been away too long. <laughs> I didn't fuck that Muppet. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> oh, God. Well, at least there's my... Uh... <laughs> and Lewis did not there fuck that go. Muppet is my little podcast line for that. We've got two of them because I think Emma should be Emma hates Fenderface. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an Emma face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, God. Right, let's just move on from this. And just, <laughs> let's get to the last Moomin Chance performance, which, okay, I did like this, but it was creepy yeah. and it went on too long. But I have never seen something quite like this before. And that was interesting. Thoughts? <laughs> I agree. I haven't really seen anything like this either. And I thought it was a really, really interesting kind of premise. And I think some of the things that they did were really, really well done. You know, you spoke before about how much preparation and practice they must do on the post-its. Equally with this, you know, to be able to do some of those mm. manipulations with clay as quickly as they were, they must have done this over and over and over again. Yeah. But... 
there were parts of it that I just did not understand at all. And it definitely went on way, way too long. I know it's their big finale number, but... You were like, wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, just... just... (laughs) The bit that I really didn't understand was the one that was on the right, as we're looking at the television, they did their long, um, you know, long chin and their spiky hair and... Very V for Mm. Vendetta mask. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Did, Did that kind of mask shape. And then they didn't do anything with it for the vast majority of the sketch. They were just sat there basically like air stroking their moustache and like playing around with their hands and not actually manipulating their face at all. While the other one was schmooshing and pulling and dangling and doing all sorts of things. And that one just sat there. And I was like, I don't get this. I do not understand why you've just decided like, oh, I'm done. I've done my face. And that that was basically it until we ramped up to like the very end of the of the sketch. Yes. Couldn't follow any kind of through line at all beyond yeah. the one on the left trying to build an equally conventional face but failing. But at the same time, it was quite mesmerizing. It it kind of reminded me of, you know, the scene in Brazil where the woman's mm-hmm. getting the surgery done and it's all just a bit kind of like stretchy stretchy. Mm. But I was kind of impressed that I hadn't seen some version of this in the 40 or so years that mime and clowning and me having to sit through it has occurred, that I haven't seen anything quite like it. Maybe clay is just very expensive now. I wouldn't know. I think it's also quite difficult to actually keep it in that Mm. level of, um, like, elasticity. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, we've all done stuff with clay and primary school and whatever and like you know to actually have it be that malleable Mm. is not easy that's not an easy thing to do so yeah also it must be really heavy imagine how heavy that is on like the front of your face that's not and also i was thinking how are they breathing (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh, it it, it was just really i just couldn't take my eyes off it and even though Mm -hmm. i was it did feel a little bit like it went on too long in nowhere near as much as the post-it note faces and that was substantially shorter i could have just watched a really long slow video of of somebody just slowly playing yes. do you know what i mean like something yeah. they'd show on yeah, bbc4 yeah. for 45 minutes of just somebody manipulating a, a a a clay face no i'm i'm with you there was something about the process of it that was mm. quite mesmerizing but i didn't feel like it all coalesced into something entirely convincing for a variety show yes i think that's fair although you know i appreciated that they'd added in i mean whether or not this was naturally part of it or not but you know when the one on the right did fall flat on their face and ended up with the completely Mm. you know straight slab of clay and then they both obviously smushed together at the end with the fight there were parts of it that i was like okay yeah but overall i don't think it quite worked for the purposes Mm. of this but I'm sure on stage, or as you say, Lewis, a sort of long take of just one person repeatedly moving and creating different faces and shapes out of it would be really interesting to watch. In news that will surprise no one, I did want to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, did you want to touch it? No. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's wrong with Clay? Is that it? That's it. Yeah, no, I just, I think I just agree with you guys. It was quite interesting to see to start off with because just the way they were 
manipulating the faces and obviously I, I don't even know how they managed to do that but it did go on for too long and I don't know it kind of lost its appeal I mean it was quite clever at the end like you say when he kind of like smushed the face and it was like flat and then they had their little fight at the end and when they merged together as yeah, well yeah that was mm. quite clever but it, it definitely did seem like it went on for too long yeah I don't know I could have just kept what I don't know I don't know anyway but yes Moom and Chance. I'm, do you know what? Part of me is genuinely intrigued about maybe going to... I can't believe I'm saying this, but... <laughs> I wonder if I going was offered to the show. opportunity to go and see Moom and Chance. Oh, a helicopter's going by. Sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry. Anyway. Um, I would probably go and see Moom and Chance, I think. I think I would. I'm, I'm intrigued to maybe find out a bit more about what they're doing now. Yeah. I don't know if I'd necessarily be interested in seeing a show... I wonder if they have a TikTok. Hang on. I'm sure I'm they have a TikTok. Well, maybe. I don't know. That might be a bit. But but if, if I mean, presumably they've sort of moved with the times and everything. And if they're doing something that's... Sorry. Was that your phone yeah, making that noise? Yeah, I see if they have Moomin. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I was going crazy. Because I it's could like, hear voices and I was like, what's happening? I can happening? hear voices. <laughs> um, yeah, if they've moved with the times and sort of kept innovating and kept doing things that do genuinely kind of push the boundaries of mask, pantomime, whatever else, then then yeah, I think that's probably quite interesting. But I don't know if I'm necessarily interested in seeing something that's exactly in the vein of what we saw on The Muppet Show. Ooh, they do have... They've got a lot of stuff on YouTube. I mean, some of it is from The Muppet okay. Show, but there seems to be some mm-hmm. other interesting things as well. Sorry. Anyway, I'm back. No, no TikTok though, which feels like a missed opportunity. If I was going to be their millennial uh, social media person, I'd be like, <laughs> let's get the moment chance on TikTok. <laughs> they, well, how long have you got till Peter's back, Lewis? You can go down a moment Sean's uh, YouTube rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, I never want to look at another screen again, <laughs> ever. I have watched so much stuff that I was just. I'm bored out of my mind. I'm, oh, it's been awful. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's finish this off. <laughs> pig power. That's all yeah, I've got. Pig into. power. Pig power was great. That was awesome. Pig power was really the radicalization funny. of Miss Piggy over this season. <laughs> it was how close she got to the camera when she was doing it as well. She was basically yeah. like in the lens with her arm and fist raised just like pig power it was great it was very funny it's nice to see them with their masks off yeah i did feel i was getting slight cult vibes from the way that they all said together thank you kermit it's been great (laughs) (laughs) i was like kind of i noticed that this sounds real i was hoping the men would be more attractive Because, do you know what? Sometimes those physical theatre or clown performers, you they take their masks off and you're going, why are you hiding the moneymaker? Like, what? <laughs> Whose idea was it for you to hide this? Cause, but in this case, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you keep that fly face on. <laughs> yeah. But that's just me being purely, uh, well, just basic and horny and lonely. <laughs> just being like, I wish the mimes were hot. <laughs> very uh attractive yes yeah. but that was it she was she was but yes and they're, they're in a cult lewis so you don't want to get involved with that anyway not again uh, <laughs> not again <laughs> not twice in one year 
the finale had very divergent vibes i felt like because you had piggy and gonzo you know still going crazy and then you had them come on and be these very demure swiss types <laughs> demure like... swiss <laughs> <laughs> Chalk and cheese. <laughs> Chalk and Toblerone. <laughs> uh, and before we wrap up, I did just want to give a very quick shout out to the Statler and Waldorf button on the end, which I think maybe we should clip out and put on the end of all of our episodes going forwards, where they said, funny show. I wonder if they meant it that way. <laughs> 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 I, I wonder it. if at this point they knew they were going to get a second season or not. That's a good question. I don't know when it got renewed, actually. Something for me to look up of, in, of Muppets and Men during the break? You treat yourself. <laughs> oh, well. It's going to be a very strange dynamic if I come back as some kind of font of knowledge. <laughs> Emma's going to have to become the wacky one. <laughs> oh, God, Emma. <laughs> Lewis can teach you all his uh, hints and yeah. tricks. <laughs> It's just a desperate need for attention is all it's required. (laughs) Anyway, I think it is time for us to get on and rank this episode because we've been going for nearly an hour and a half. (laughs) Christ, how did we talk about Moomenshans for that long? I don't know. (laughs) How many ways can you say I'm alarmed? (laughs) A lot, apparently. But before we get on to the ranking of the episode, we must, as we every week... Oh my god, I can't even do this anymore. Rate, decide upon our MVMP, our most valued Muppet performer. Emma, who is your MVMP for the week? My um, MVMP for this week is going to be Gonzo. Yay! Yay! It was so nice to see him again, although I did feel a bit sorry for him for the fact that he got karate chopped by Piggy so many times. <laughs> but it was lovely to see him develop as a character, have a bit more interaction with Piggy and Kermit, have a bit more of a storyline, not be the like crazy artiste that we've seen in some of the previous episodes. And it was just nice, nice to see him again. So yeah, so for this episode, my MVMP is... Gonzo, how about you, Jade? Yeah, Gonzo is also my MVMP because I realised that for obvious reasons I've not given it to him for the entire season and I was like, this feels like the opportunity to give it to him for season one. All the reasons you've just said and I think what it crucially boils down to for me is that Gonzo feels like he's being treated as a main character Mm. in this episode Mm. and that even if he still feels a bit one note and it's not quite 100% the Gonzo that we all know, that feels like a massive step forward. Just that he's getting a storyline and that he's, you know, he's interacting with Kermit and Piggy and everything. So, yay, Gonzo! Mm. I can't wait for season two to see how he becomes even more Gonzo-y, even more whatever-y, and just leans into the, the daredevil that we all know him as. So yeah, Gonzo. Lewis, how about you? Who's your MVMP? In some sadistic way, I'm almost tempted to say Wayne and Bonda. <laughs> Just because they've been through 24 weeks of torture. <laughs> Hell. Hell. <laughs> that actually, maybe I should just give it to them because they're never gonna... You know, Leonard Bernstein hates them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no coming back from that. 
But actually, I think I might just choose the librarian. Yes. <laughs> just because she was really... Zelda Rose. Zelda Rose. Just because her face really made me laugh. <laughs> and Wayne and Wanda have very rarely done that. So you know what? In typical Wayne and Wanda fashion, I'm going to overlook them and choose <laughs> Zelda Rose, the librarian, merely for just turning around and having a funny face. <laughs> That's it. That's fair. All right. I think it is time for us to do our rankings for the week. Emma. What are you giving the final episode of season one of The Muppet Show? Now, this was quite tough for me because I think I had a kind of a lot of expectation on what the last episode would be like. And to be completely honest, I was a bit unsure of what I was going to give it. So for this episode, I've decided to give it six Mr. Basemans out of ten, (laughs) purely because... As a guest, Moomin Chance was quite an odd choice and there were bits where it was really mesmerising, really interesting, but as we've already discussed, some of the sketches did go on for too long and I especially thought that with the last sort of piece that they did. But equally, it was really lovely with the backstage business um, for this episode that we saw a bit of growth with Gonzo, you know, we had Miss Piggy and Kermit and that I thought it was quite strong in comparison to things that we've seen before. And actually, I didn't mind the UK spot. It was quite a good talk spot. And that's been quite patchy as we've gone on through the episodes. But then, you know, Vendor Face terrified me. I was disappointed by Muppets News Flash. And like I said, you know, at the dance was okay. But I'm kind of glad that's gone. So <laughs> that's why um, for this this episode and for this final episode i've decided to give them a six out of ten how about you jade so i struggled as well a little bit about what to rate this because i feel like i did enjoy it more than the k ballard episode but it's definitely not obviously one of our one of my favorites as i'm Mm. sure our conversation has has borne out so i ended up going with five and a half hog of my hearts (laughs) because I think there was something there and I agree with you Emma like the runner was a lot better this week than we've had in plenty of other episodes I did like the opening this week as well uh I compartmentalized it but actually like it it started on a high note so that was good and I didn't mind what they brought it was kind of interesting to see something different from the guest but equally I don't know if it fully works for the Muppet show yeah, and then I just felt like a lot of the other sketches felt quite throwaway in a way. Like there was lots of little things, but they didn't necessarily kind of build to anything grand or bigger. And I just, I don't know, like it's a bit of a shame that this is the final episode of the season because I think when you look back at some of the ones like the Ethel Merman, that would have been such an amazing finale yeah. to mm. to the season to to finish with her singing no business like show business and that that whole episode Sorry, I'm just suddenly a... imagining Ethel Merman having to watch Moomin Shots. <laughs> <laughs> she must have. They did 3 years on Broadway. She must have oh gone at some point. This feels like different worlds. I'd <laughs> like to to think that Ethel Merman and Moomin Shots were on the earth at the same time both yes. performing on Broadway feels very bizarre. <laughs> there's it's just not quite right yeah. <laughs> um yeah but uh, so i think i think it is a bit of a disappointing end to the season really but there's still glimmers in there and i think the runner is a case in point in that the show as a whole is obviously moving in the right direction 
And it's just nice to wave goodbye to things like at the dance and Wayne and Wanda and just sort of look onwards and upwards to hopefully new, more fully realised sketches and songs and pieces. So yeah, five and a half hogs of my heart. Lewis, for the final time in series one, what is your rating? I am following the same as you, Jade. I'm giving it five and a half incarcerated cousins (laughs) (laughs) out of ten. Moom and Shant are an odd guest for The Muppet Show, but apart from the strange animals in the middle, they are quite compelling to watch as a piece, even if they've gone a little bit too long. So I kind of took them almost in the same way that I take the uh, first number. I almost just, because it was so easy to, to separate them from The Muppet Show because The Muppets didn't really interact with them. I wish there had been a bit more of the interaction that we did see in the chat spot because that felt very sweet and fun. But it was still incredibly intriguing. Otherwise, it was quite a pedestrian episode of The Muppet Show itself. Uh, There was some nice characterization in the backstage runner, slowly getting Gonzo that we recognize and love. Some nice moments from Statler and Waldorf. But uh, yeah, glad to see the back of Enderface. Very excited to see the back of at the dance and the end of Wayne and Wanda uh it just I think I'm just really excited to see what season two is going to bring us I think it's going to I wonder how much they will learn during their own break and what kind of style it's going to come back in it's very intriguing Mm. well and crucially Jerry Jewell becoming head writer will make a world of difference hopefully hopefully so jade for i think the final time ever <laughs> from yes, you I at least so. we are, we, i mean we're still gonna dis- we've got discussions production meetings to be had between this <laughs> and the second season um our final bit of Muppet philosophy. So before I uh, before I launch into the Muppet philosophy, which I will do in just a moment, I did just want to mention to you both on the podcast that I did treat myself to something. <gasps> oh my god! Ooh. You but no, Jade, no, because now I'll never read it because I know you've got it. <laughs> no, you still need to read it, Lewis. We'll do book club. Uh, just for the listeners at home, I've just held up of Muppets and Men. I didn't pay full whack for it. I managed to get it for quite a good deal on eBay. How much um, did you pay and for it? I'll tell you off air. No, tell um, us on air. We can cut it. No, I'm telling you off air. I'm not telling you on air. No, co- no come I on. We can just blank it out and then we can react it. to it. Just tell us. <laughs> it was... I don't know whether you're going to see this. It's a first edition. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe I should look what mine is. Although, yeah, annoying, I was mine has a tear to... on the dust cover. Oh, this is, yeah, oh, this yeah. is pretty trashed. This is from a library. Um, so it's pretty well thumbed. But <laughs> I've got it. So I'm very excited to, uh, to have it in my possession. But we can do book club, Lewis, so it'll be fine. Um... <laughs> oh, crap. Now I really do have to read it. <laughs> so to get on to Muppet Philosophy, the final one. I thought what I would read for this for this final segment on Muppet Philosophy is the letter that Jim Henson wrote to his children to be read after his death. Um, and it's it's not, you know, obviously there's a definitely a hint of sadness there, but it's also quite in the vein of the memorial segment that I read last week as well. There's 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 plenty of hope and, you know, the usual Jim optimism within it. So 
from Jim Henson, the biography by Brian J. Jones. Jim Henson wrote to his children. First of all, please don't feel bad that I'm gone. While I will miss spending time with each of you, I'm sure it will be an interesting time for me and I look forward to seeing all of you when you come over. I feel life has been a joy for me. I certainly hope it is for you. Life is meant to be fun and joyous and fulfilling. May each of yours be that. Having each of you as a child of mine has certainly been one of the good things in my life. Know that I've always loved each of you with an internal bottomless love. A love that has nothing to do with each other, for I feel my love for each of you is total and all-encompassing. This all may sound silly and over the top to you guys, but what the hell. I'm gone and who can argue with me? To each of you, I send my love. If, on this side of life, I'm able to watch over you and help you out, know that I will. If I can't, I'm sure I can at least be waiting for you when you come over. Please watch out for each other and love and forgive everybody. It's a good life. Enjoy it. Love, Jim. Aww. God, that is so lovely. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's so cute. I do not think I would have that kind of grace heading into my own death. I would be like... No. <laughs> God, he's such a wonderful man. He really is. And I think it's just that sense of him giving so much, not only to his family, yeah. but to the world. Mm. You know, he really did give so much. And we're so lucky to be able to still enjoy the dandelion seeds, as we spoke about last week, of, of what he planted and what's kind of filtered filtered through to the world. What a lovely way to put it. Well, although this is the last episode of the first season of The Muppet Show, we will be back next week to do a season wrap-up of which we have not planned or considered yet. <laughs> so, so we will be <laughs> frantic on our WhatsApp group deciding what that is going to be. That will be our last episode of this season, and then we will take a belated summer break. But then we will be back refreshed. My brain will no longer be broken by coronavirus. <laughs> and we will launch into the second season of The Muppet Show and Muppet Sational. Yay! Yay! Um, I mean, just from all of us, it's been such a pleasure doing this show. And we have been so overwhelmed by the response we've gotten from you, our listeners. And, you know getting mentioned in the guardian was very cool crazy and, yeah and just you know all the nice reviews that people have left for us on apple podcasts and just even just being welcomed into the muppet online community in the way that we have you know from whether it be other podcasts or just on twitter it's really lovely and one of the nicest things that's happened this year so I mean, I don't want to speak for all three of my, uh, oh Jesus, I don't want to speak for all of my podcast hosts, but thank you from all of us. It's been uh, a real pleasure, but we'll do this again next week anyway, but you know. <laughs> no, it's, it has, it's truly been amazing. It's, it's such a, it's such a privilege to do this, but also to have had such a warm and lovely reception is very overwhelming. So thank you all very much. Um, we genuinely can't wait for season two, even if we are definitely taking a little bit of a break because <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you everyone for listening. It's It's been a really fun journey and it's just been really nice to see our listeners grow. And like you said, the bit in the Guardian and reviews and interactions we've had with the listeners. It's been, it's been great. It has. Anyway. <laughs> we're doing this all again next week anyway so it's not quite over but thank you so much for listening to Muppet Sational if you've enjoyed the episode don't forget 
God, you'd think after 24 weeks, I would be able to do this. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetsational on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and Facebook. You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next week for our end of season roundup. Until then, I've been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jade Turner. And I've been Emma Chandler. We shall see you next week for the final episode of the first season of Muppetsational. Woohoo! Woohoo! Bye! Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod. And our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on instagram that was a funny show yes it was i wonder if they meant it that way (laughs) 